We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, whatever. Okay, I like <laughs> Okay. No, I'm driving down the road. I got all my barbecue stuff for tomorrow. Hopefully, we're going to have fun. But tonight, I like listening to you guys. So, anyway, here's what I got about D'Angelo. I think, of course, especially because of his defense, I'd rather have Clay. So I don't want to say this wrong, but you have to, if you, the way I see it, if you're guarding D'Angelo, you have to respect his shot and play it basically the same way you play Clay. And you also have to respect the drive way more than you respect Clay. And that means you got to position just to me, you know, a half step closer. And because of that, that I think is really actually going to help Clay, especially, I mean, Steph, and especially when Clay comes back, you know, I hope they keep him. You know, when Clay comes back and is playing the three, is what I predict in the, in the playoffs. That's that's three really really good shooters, and of course he's not KD shooting, but that means they can still play the same style. Basically, I think I, I don't see I don't see them changing a lot basically because of D'Angelo, especially when they come back. And my last thing, if I can, I mean, I heard I think it's Vontae talking about uh, which one called when he was at Ohio State, and, and I'm a nut. I used to watch myself, and I think he's. Bigger than he seems, really athletic, and the fact that he – I don't know why I'm cheerleading for him so much. is weird. But anyway, the fact that he got over the mental, like, over the whole snitching, whatever, you know, that whole thing, I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> The fact that he got over that and now he's an all-star, it seems like everybody's talking about, like, he's capped off. But I don't understand that thinking. To me, I see a lot of potential, especially – I mean, look who he's around. He's around staff. What an influence for a little guard. Anyway, that's all I got, guys. Thanks. Thank you, Rich. I do agree with him on the Steph point. We can't claim Steph to be the greatest leader and the player who makes players better than anyone in the NBA and then just assume he can't rub off on D'Angelo Russell. Like, it can't be both ways. Sam got me. He got me. He figured out a way to, to he, convince he you, huh? Yeah, he I mean, you. that's all you had to say. So how dare you criticize Steph? Do you know it's going to be fun, man? Okay. 55 wins. It's going to be fun. I, I had him at, you're going to bet the I, Vegas over? Yeah. <laughs> I had him at 49-50. Because I think D'Lo's good enough to win your regular season games for sure to help Steph out if he has a bad night. D'Lo can pick up the slack and give you a, a 30, 30 to 40 burger every given. Ooh. Every now and then, he yeah. can give you a 30 burger. Yeah. yeah. Eight I assist. Mean, the the C.J. McCollum comp is a great one just in terms of what uh, D'Angelo can be and how old D'Angelo is today. Um, I think that's fascinating because he is that young. And D'Angelo was really bad. Uh, right. when he first got into the NBA, just, I think, both on and off the court. And there has been I- IG videos. There has been Instagram videos of D'Angelo working out with Draymond Green, working out with Steph Curry. And are there two, Are there any better players in the NBA right now that you want your player to train with right? than Draymond and Steph Curry? I think those are two guys that are always working on something and two of the hardest workers. Yep. I think Clay Thompson is right there with them. Just in terms of, I mean, you think of where these players came from. Steph Curry was was not a top two pick, right? Clay right. Thompson was an end of lottery pick. Draymond, we know, right? right? Second round pick. These guys didn't come in here like LeBron James and were best player in the Hype league since right. they were thirteen. Right, right, right. They got there because, well, not saying that LeBron doesn't work hard, but these guys got there because they worked 
right, every day to get to the top. They're all late bloomers yep. in one way or another. So it was all Bill Simmons, by Russell the way. What's up with LeBron trying to trademark Taco Tuesday? That's like the weirdest thing. Like, I thought Taco Tuesday was – because I don't think we could say Taco Tuesday. I'm surprised it wasn't trademarked. Before, yeah. Like, hey, this isn't a new thing. We're all no, from California. Yeah. Yeah. I feel – Taco Tuesday's been around for over 20 years. Do you think LeBron knew what Taco Tuesday was uh, a year ago? Two years ago? Before he moved to L.A.? Exactly. Probably not. Right. No. Right? That's what I'm asking. I so mean, he, just a whole... I'm not even going to do it because I think it's just... After one time, you, you do it, you're just like, all right, Taco Tuesday. He's having fun with his family, but yeah. every single week. Yeah. Well, every he, single... Like, well, come on, man. He found the um, he found the branding... Uh, the money opportunity, and he found a way to monetize found, that. He found a way to get Instagram likes, which is ultimately <laughs> the thing that's most important to him. IG likes. <laughs> um, and yeah, no, it's it's crazy because I mean, anyway, we won't go we won't go too much into it. But um, San Francisco is where we live, uh, is where we grew up, and uh, gentrification is huge. Correct, Sam? <laughs> it's pretty big out here. Yeah, and uh, LeBron big. James has found a way <laughs> to gentrify Mexican culture. So, shout Are you guys out. ready for this season? LeBron and AD, the Clippers, the Jazz. Like, this year is going to be – I can't recall a season with this much parity because, like, I don't know who's going to win the championship. I don't think the Clippers I, should be that. Yeah, Sam. I, don't I was going to say. I think the last time it was this wide open was 2014 when he went to Cleveland, and the Warriors came up out of the blue. Yep, yep, and the yep. next thing you know, they're they're too unfairly stacked. Right. Um, so I'm I'm kind of wondering: Will we see a team like that this year? Will someone just kind of shock us? Wow. Um, I don't know, but I have the Vegas odds here right now. The Warriors are currently sixth to win the NBA title. So for all this. You know, Andy thinking they're going to be an eight seed. The people who set the lines, who are very smart, seem to believe this Warrior team has a pretty good shot. They may like the Lakers or Clippers more, but they see the Warriors as a team who should get about 50 wins. Yeah, and the Clay Thompson wild card is a huge one because I'm sure that takes into account some part of it, but the Warriors wouldn't be the sixth uh, best uh, favorites to win the title if Clay Thompson was healthy right now. Real quick, I know you guys got to pay the bills and go to break. Yeah. does Clay Thompson? I mean, does Clay Thompson? Does D'Angelo Russell start alongside Clay Thompson and Steph Curry once Clay gets back, or do you try to convince D'Angelo Russell that D'Lo being a version of, say, a Manu Ginobili is the best thing for this team, where he doesn't start the games, which will be tough to tell a twenty-three-year-old who's making all that money. Hey, you're yeah, not going to start, that's exactly but you're going to finish. Yeah. I mean, listen. well, it's easier to tell someone when they make all that money uh, to sacrifice. It'd be harder to tell him last year when he wasn't paid. Well, right. um, but I will say I think you got to start him yep. unless like McKinney yep. or Glenn Robinson the yep. third has some unexpected monster breakout year. Yep, I think you kind of have to start all yeah. three. I'm with you. Eric Paschal is not going to be is not going to be the reason why you don't start D'Angelo Russell. And if, if Steve Kerr does that, he's being too cute. He wants he wants to be the Spurs. We know that, right? Uh, but listen, uh, start your best players. Play your best players uh, as much as you can. So Bonte Hill, sir. Thank you for joining, huh? Thanks for having me, boys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now back to my uh, baby shower duties. Good luck. (laughs) Back on the other side, we got Dieter Kurtenbach on Warriors World Radio. Andy Liu, Samus Vendiari. We'll be right back. Back to Warriors World Radio on 95.7 The Game. Here's Andy Liu and
and Sam Esfandiari. Warriors World Radio here, Sam Esfandiari with Andy Liu. Uh, that was nice of Bonte to join us for the last hour. Bonte's a good guy. He, he is. He just, he just, Bonte, Shasky, 95-7 got a squad. Got a Strength squad. in numbers. <laughs> Strength in numbers. I mean, the only superstar, I mean, Andy Liu, right? I mean, that's, that's the... <laughs> anyway, if you want to join the show, 888-957-9570, or you can text in 95795. Andy, um, today is a day in, a very important day in various sports history. What do you think happened on this day? <sighs> Tell me, Sam, what happened? Well, a year ago, the uh, Oakland Raiders traded Khalil Mack. Potentially one of the the more surprising and worst trades already. I think it's already fair to put it on the worst trades in Bay Area sports history. Wow. Yeah. You know, you just don't trade a generational all time defensive player in his prime while you have team control. This wasn't like a, I mean, maybe it was a money issue to be honest, but um, it's Still. not like they had to trade. It's not like he was walking in free agency. No, he would have stayed. It would have been fine staying. Sam, we have a segment on our Light Years podcast where you can subscribe anywhere. Uh, we call it Love of the Game or Love of the Fame. And why we call it that is players or coaches or management. Really all humans. All humans, exactly. Do things either for the love of the game, which means they do it because they want to do it. They love it. Right. It's for actual you know, success or love of the fame. Uh, the example that I give is that people who you work with, uh, let's say they are on their laptops and you know, you and I both know that they're doing nothing all day long. And every couple minutes you hear them just slamming their keyboard or they're sighing and you just know they're not, this is not real. They're just it's doing, all for show. It's all for show. That's love of the fame. Sam, I ask you, John Gruden's trade of Khalil Mack a year ago, love of the game or love of the fame? Sadly... I think it was love of the game, which makes it worse. I don't think this was an issue um, where he was doing something for show. I think he legitimately thought it was the right business move, which brings in a whole slew of other questions. Wow. You don't think that John Gruden did this because he wanted to show that he was the man. Ten-year contract, $100 million guaranteed. I am the man. I'm the Hall of Fame coach. I've won a Super Bowl. I've done this before. I run this locker room. That's an interesting point. Um, it's possible. Um, but end of the day, he ended trading trading him for two first-round picks, one of which is conveyed, and that was number 24 overall, and got him himself a rookie running back, Josh Jacobs, <laughs> who's uh, good. I think he's going to be a good player. Yeah, he didn't get but the But just not Alabama. the return you want for a defensive player of the year. You, There's no return that you can have, too, for Khalil Mack, right? Like, that was... A high-end quarterback. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the return. Yeah. yeah. There's can, two players in the NBA that have the most value. NFL. Or, wow. We're talking NFL. Um, but it is a uh, pass rushing, a guy that can do, you know, can get you 10, 15 sacks easy or a top-end quarterback. Yeah, it's the, guy it. who, it's the guy who throws the ball or the guy who gets the guy yeah. who throws the ball. That's it. Third would be the guy who protects the guy who throws the court, yep. throws the ball. But those are basically, I mean, you just don't find them. Is there is there a better defensive player than Cleo Mack? I mean, Aaron Donald. Yeah, that's that, it. But that's, that's it. That's, that's a short it. list. Yep. One guy. Yep. 
there's one guy you could cl- you could say is maybe better than him. And if you need any more evidence for how good Khalil Mack was, he had 12 and a half sacks last year in 14 games. The Raiders as a team had 13. <laughs> Everyone kind of points to, well, the Raiders were bad defensively with Khalil Mack. How much worse can they get? Worse? The answer is they could get a lot worse. They could go from a bad defense who could occasionally get stops to one that could not stop anyone anytime ever. Yeah. The Niners didn't have a pass rush either, so I can tell you how, how a bad pass rush can affect the defense, right? Um, no matter how good your secondary is, I don't care. Um, but you look at it, the Chicago Bears gave him the contract that he wanted right away. And, and they it, go straight to the playoffs. Yep. Transformed into an elite defense in the NFL. They are projected to make the playoffs again. Uh, with a great defense, and uh, I mean, Khalil Mack was essentially the guy to to do that and transform that. So, whew. so so let's take this let's take this forward. I spent today kind of thinking about the worst trades in Bay Area sports history, and eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. Call in and tell us what you think are the worst trades in Bay Area sports history. I'm going to start, this is Warriors World Radio, and the one I always think of, it's old, but the names are the names are so iconic that you didn't have to watch this team play to understand how bad a trade this was. The Warriors in 1980 traded the number three pick, which ended up being Kevin McHale, Hall of Famer, and Robert Parrish, Hall of Famer, to move up two picks and take Joe Barry Carroll, one of the most iconic names for players who didn't pan out. So lethargic. Most people know him as Joe Barely Cares. It's it's rare that you trade two players that end up in the Hall of Fame for a bust. But the Warriors did that in 1980. Um, to me, that's kind of, it's just hard to beat you trade two players who end up in the Hall of Fame for a guy who ends up being a bust. Like, it doesn't matter who the players are. It's just really hard to beat that in terms of worst trade ever. Yeah, I mean, you you kind of spin that forward today. I mean, who was the last team that kind of did something like this? I'm kind of thinking about it, and it's kind of that. It's not the same thing. Jason Tatum's not maybe not going to be a Hall of Famer, but they made that trade. They moved up. They wanted Markel Fultz. I'm saying Markel Fultz barely cares, but Markel Fultz doesn't look like he's going to be an NBA player anytime soon. But even then, I mean... Tatum's a nice little player, yeah, uh, and he might end up being an all-star. He might end up being really good, and I actually like him more than you do. Uh, but Kevin McHale is in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. Robert Parrish is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Joe Barry Carroll is not in the Hall of Fame. And Well, they got the 13th pick, Sam, as well. So. Oh, that's right. I have no clue who they we took. No that. <laughs> that just tells you everything. From the text line, this was actually going to be my second one. From the 831 Chris Weber for Tom Gugliotta. This one I do remember vividly. Um, the Warriors traded the number three pick, Penny Hardaway, and three future firsts for Chris Weber. Now, Penny was a great player. Mm-hmm. His career got cut short, uh, but that made sense at the time. I don't know if you remember, Chris Weber was one of the most hyped college players I've ever seen. Um, and for the most part, he made good on it. Like maybe he wasn't as good as a hype, but I mean, he was a perennial all-star Yeah, career kind of got cut short with the knee injuries when they started happening at 30. And that's unfortunate, but end of the day, I mean, he was a player you could build around, right? Yeah, no, he was, imagine, I'm imagining Chris Webber in today's game. He was fantastic. With that. I mean, athletic. he's a prototypical of what you want for a center today. 
he would have been perfect. I mean, he's high IQ, right? He's high IQ. I mean, point guard. He had point guard yep. skills. Yep. He's everything that you wanted. So Warriors, in all their wisdom, <laughs> um, after he had issues with the head coach, trade him after his only year with the Warriors for Tom Gugliotta. Sheesh. And, you know, I, I feel like starting the worst trades in barrier sports history with Warriors trades does kind of sum up the Warriors' history pre-Steph Curry, well, pre-Joe Lacob. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and we'll, we'll keep on the Warriors before we spin it up back to other teams, but I find, one I find very interesting, it's not like a bad trade. Well, it's not a, a all-time bad trade in the Bay Area, but definitely um, speaks to the process of a team that wasn't managed well was that Jason Richardson trade for Brandon Wright. That, right. that was a trait where it's like, okay, I get it. Jay Rich is not an all-star. He's a fan favorite. He's not someone that... You have Monte Ellis right. who looks like an ascending player versus a kind of guy who's peaked right. at a position you're deep at. You had Steven Jackson. It was a little redundant. Yeah, but it's like, Brandon Wright. And he was not He was not you know someone that you can't miss or anybody that you thought was going to be projected into a top player. He was not even close to that. He was a project, I think, at best when he was Yeah, drafted. I mean, he did, he won, I think, seven or eight overall. Mm-hmm. Yep. I promise you, if he was a big-time, can't-miss project yep. prospect, he would have gone one or two. Yep. And, uh, by the way, uh, yeah, so give us your text in, call in, give us your thoughts on um, worst Bay Area trades from the 415. Somebody wants us to wish him a happy birthday. So it's his 40th birthday. It's Tim. Sam, next week it's your 40th birthday. So That, you know. that is false. <laughs> all right. It's, uh... Come on in, Mike. Come on in, Mike. All right, all right. So we've got Dieter Kurtenbach. Dieter, sir, joining Warriors World Radio, Andy Lou, Samus Fendiari. Can you hear us? Are you alive? I can hear you guys just fine. I, I don't know what the hell I expected you guys to be talking about before I came on the air, but that was pretty much, that was just pitch perfect. I, that was the exact conversation that I would have imagined in my own head. Everything that you wanted. Well, hey, how about this? You give us your, uh, it could be baseball, football, basketball. What is, what was the worst uh, Bay Area Mac, trade? Right. What's that? It's got to be the Khalil Mack trade, right? I mean, that's recency bias for sure. Well, today. Like, Today is the one-year anniversary of the Khalil Mack trade, which is why we, we are doing this segment. Okay. We're, we're right. Hey, Dieter, can you hear us? You're cutting out on us a little bit. Did we lose him? All right. So we're, we're going to try to reconnect with Dieter real quick. Um, but, yeah, I do like that he did not hear the beginning of the segment, and his first thought was the Khalil Mack trade. So it is on point for us to say that is among the worst trades in Bay Area sports history. The right. Raiders may not be in the Bay Area much longer, but the trade stays in Bay Area sports history. Yeah. Wow. Um, and the Niners, do they have anybody? You know what's interesting? When I was researching uh, Bay Area sports trades, just kind of trying to refresh my memory, the Niners have ones that go the other way. Like Jerry Rice is technically a draft day trade. Really can't do better than trading up to pick Jerry Rice. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, they're like trading up and getting a good player is a good thing. Trading Somebody up and getting the Rice. greatest of all time. Somebody said Jerry Rice being dealt across the bay. I don't. I mean, that's kind of that was after everything. <laughs> there was now. a little politics yeah. in that one. There was a little let's do the guy a favor. <laughs> we can't. We can't really ca- count that one. Uh, by the way, Jerry Rice still in the Bay Area. Um, still hangs out in the Bay Area. The only man. 
beloved by both fan bases. I don't think uh, there's a single Niner fan or a Raider fan who has like a negative thing to say yeah. about him. Yeah. It's very rare that you get that. Yeah, I think Steph Curry is going to be someone that's beloved by both sides of the Bay, both in Oakland and San Francisco. Um, did you see that? Yeah. Did you see there was a video of him playing uh, in, with Mr. Fab, too? I did. Um, very love of the game. Um, but, hey, we, Dieter, we got your back. I, I, I decided for the first time in my life that I was going to do the, the hit from some other place than the one chair that has perfect reception at my place, and that was a <laughs> – uh, a terrible life decision. <laughs> Dieter Kurtenbach, I appreciate you having you on uh, Bay Area News Group. All right. First question. If it's not... Co- oh. oh, wow. More technical difficulties. Hey, listen, this man, is it's all been, Carl's fault. It's been like two months. Cut us some slack. This is what happens. Warriors World Radio. This is what we do. You got you to do it. Yeah. You know what, Dieter? I don't even know what question I'm going to ask you. I don't even know. You just talk. I'm yeah. happy to just talk. Yeah. I mean, what do you think about the Niners? Uh, I'm less optimistic than I was uh, a couple weeks ago, a couple days ago, for sure. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I've written a nice thing about the Niners in training camp. <laughs> Usually there's enough uh, there's enough BS going around in training camp that you can find, like, some happy-go-lucky optimistic angle. And instead, every time I show up, I go, oh, I don't know about these guys. Yeah, I mean, do, what do you think about them keeping three quarterbacks? <laughs> I think it's a joke. Yeah. Kyle Shanahan is uh, – is letting his ego get in the way of proper roster construction. And I think that he'll use the bully pulpit tomorrow in his press conference to say that I know more about quarterbacks than everybody out there. And yeah, he's right. He does. But he also, you know, wasted a third round draft pick on CJ Becker. He got lucky in finding a guy who wasn't drafted to sort of take up that backup quarterback spot. And now he, he, he let it, you know, John Lynch said it yesterday. He let, they let a couple of guys that they thought should make the 53 man roster go. And it's like, it, it, you're really telling me that CJ Beathard is one of the 53 best players on your team. And you cut guys that you felt were 53 man eligible so that you can keep this guy around. It's just bad business. I mean, they can't trade. They couldn't trade him. I don't think they're going to be able to trade him. I don't nope. think they get anything for him. Nope. So what the hell are we doing? We're really talking about third string quarterbacks here on Warriors <laughs> World Radio. So <laughs> it, seems, it seems on brand. Come on. Oh, absolutely. So it sounds to me like you're less optimistic than their Vegas projection of eight wins. Would that be a correct summation? Well, I've kind of always had this viewpoint that like there are 19 NFL teams that could win eight games every year. That like the parity is so high that the league just forces a bunch of teams to be eight and eight. But because of football is strangely shaped and so much of it has to so much of winning and losing has to do with turnover luck that there are like eight and eight teams that finish with 10 wins and there are eight and eight teams that finish with six wins. But they were really eight and eight all along. So I I don't feel like the 49ers are going to be on the right side of that eight and eight equation, especially when you consider the rest of the teams in their division and in the conference that look like eight and eight teams that have gone out and have done things to improve. Like the Seahawks are like an eminently eight and eight team. And what have they done this offseason? They went out and got Jadavian Clowney yesterday, and it's like, well, that seems like that might help them out when it comes to luck. That might get them to nine or ten wins, and nine or ten wins gets you into the playoffs, whereas the Niners, it's like, what have they done this offseason? Gotten super injured, made a couple of questionable decisions with the roster, and uh, have in no way convinced anybody that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a top-ten quarterback in the NFL. So why would you think they're going to be on the winning side of 8-8? They'll probably be on the losing side of 8-8, all things considered. Okay, so if I was to Sam try to, this, by the way, as a Raiders, <laughs> well, fan, I do love. But um, if I was trying to, co- we don't need to go on the Raiders. Yeah, that's if I was right. trying to construct a scenario, 
in which the the 49ers did get to 9, 10. I mean, I don't want to get crazy and say 11 wins. What would that scenario look like? Like, what is the most realistic path in your mind for them to get to double-digit wins? Well, there's there's four games that, that I circle immediately. It's the first two of the season. They're going to be on the road at Tampa Bay. Then they're going to spend a week in Ohio, which, uh, as someone who's done that before, is, is a real kick to the uh, kick to the. That's not fun, huh? They play the Bengals. Huh. And so it's like... Okay, you have to win both of those. If you win both of those, now now you have our attention, right? Because you went on the road, you went to the East Coast, you won two games. And those are against teams that you are you should be better than. And then the other two to get to you can get to four right right immediately is you gotta beat the Cardinals for the first time since twenty fourteen. You should be able to beat them twice. If you beat those two teams, now you got four wins and Listen, everybody else here just kind of in the, the luck game. Yeah, I think you can find five more wins from there, six more wins from there by just playing up to your ability. They do have talent. They're certainly better than they were last year. Garoppolo's not horrific, but, you know, if he has some good games, strings them together, I think they can get four or five more wins on there. But they got to win those first two for me to take them seriously, and they got to be able to beat the Cardinals if they're going to make the playoffs. And I think that they have a chance under those circumstances. Do I think that's going to happen? Probably not. But uh, those, those, you know, the first two games, we're going to really find out what these guys are, what these guys are made of. All right. Enough, uh, enough, uh, Jaquiski tart talk, uh, Dieter. We, uh, <laughs> we got Dieter Kernbach from the Bay Area news group. Uh, all right. Warriors. Um, yeah. They unveiled the new chase center last Tuesday, I believe, uh, and gave yeah. a tour to media and the season ticket holders. Were you there? And if you were there, what'd you think about it? I I, uh, I did not go. I, I'm not going until there's a game because uh, it, it seemed to me like everybody was trying to hold back their anger or like their visceral like uh, Bay Area projectionism towards the fact that it's basically Levi's Stadium with a roof. Oh boy! And that it's super segregated and you know great place to watch a game if you're willing to spend ten thousand dollars a day on it. But like I don't know what everyone expected. Like, you think Joe Lacob is going to build a palace to the everyman with his own money in San Francisco? Like, I don't blame him. If you can charge somebody $15,000 a game to go watch it, and they're going to pay, and they might not even show up, so you can probably resell that ticket on your own. Um, like, why would you do that instead of, I don't know, <laughs> 1,500 people paying $100? Like, it's just ridiculous to me. That's, this is the way all sports have gone. And uh, we've kind of been lucky in the Bay Area to, like, we have the Coliseum where you can just pretty much walk in, like you have a can of soup and you can walk into a game. And you had Oracle, which the only reason that Oracle has as much allure as it does is because the Warriors were really, really good in it when it was coming to an end. Had the Warriors not turned into the super mega juggernaut team at the end, I don't know if we have this like esteem. I think that we probably discussed more the realistic uh, environment that was there, which is like, this place is kind of a dump. It's loud as hell. It's cool as hell. We'll miss the atmosphere, but really we're just missing the people. Like no one's actually sad that Oracle Arena physically is, is no longer in our lives. Like uh, it, it kind of it literally stinks. So like <laughs> Chase Center is a way cooler building. It's a much nicer house, but like it, it's not going to have as cool as people. And it's impossible for me to understand how they're going to have as cool of an environment. And at the same time, you think about it, it's like, what was the environment like for the last three or four years at, at Oracle? Yeah, I mean, yeah. the shift has already happened. So we're just, Joe Lacob's just catering to those guys because he's just seeing money being left on the table because they only had the BMW club to give it to him. And he's like, what if we had like 40 clubs and we could just keep taking these people's money? And that's what you do. I mean, it's a money-making venture. He didn't buy the team to go broke. 
And I think that's more true in the NBA than any other league. There's kind of this irony to the way the NBA markets itself, but at the same time has the most expensive tickets of any sport product, bar none. Like, it's not just a warrior thing. Lakers do it. Basically, any market that can do it does try to charge through the roof. 100%. Like, again, I mean, it, it, it's not... It's not complicated. If you, again, you could charge $20,000 for one seat in one of these suites. I mean, there's exorbitant amounts of money. Yearly salaries for some people. And then you're just going to, what, turn that down? There's a demand for this stuff. And in San Francisco, you think about the amount of seats that are going to be empty, frankly, I think, just because people aren't going to fill them. They, they bought them. They did the PSL or whatever the hell they're calling it. They basically gave Joe Lake a loan to build the thing, which again, good for him. There was a market for it. Um, it you, you take all the money you can get out of the bad boy, because listen, as much as, as much as they did a really nice job in maintaining a quality team, even with Durant leaving and going out and getting a, another good player for essentially nothing in a situation where that shouldn't be realistically possible. Like they'll be good. I think for a couple of years to come, but like the gravy train isn't going to roll forever. Not, not that's not how the NBA works. Like, look at what the Lakers have done. I mean, even they go out and get LeBron and Anthony Davis. Who the hell knows? One of those guys goes down. Yeah. They're kind of in the same situation as the Warriors. If one of the guys goes down, they're now part of an eight and eight NBA. But you got to take as much money as you can possibly get if you're the owner of the team. Uh, you think about teams like Charlotte, New Orleans, Atlanta for a long time. They were just purging money. They could not make money no matter what they did. They could drop ticket prices all the way down or boost them all the way up. Like there's a lot of teams still in the NBA that lose money and Joe Lacob shouldn't be, he'd be stupid. And he's certainly not a stupid guy to, uh, to just pass up exorbitant amounts of cash when people are basically throwing it at him. So, so one more question before we, uh, we had to break here and, and let you go. Uh, let's, let's move to the Warriors actually on the court. I don't think any of us saw them getting D'Angelo Russell, even with yeah. most people thinking KD was going to leave. Um, how do you think that's going to work out for them? Um, and do you like the fit? I, I like the fit considering you can't divide by zero. Like D'Angelo Russell is a much better option than whoever they could have gotten on a minimum salary contract, which is what they were going to have to do because they're, you know, they were always right. going to be in salary cap hell, but I'm interested to see how Steve Kirk coaches it. I've heard through the grapevine that Steve is pretty excited to kind of prove that uh, he can mix and match and that, you know, he could be a little bit more pragmatic. Uh, This is something that he and I have talked about a little bit, uh, especially when it came to like the Curry Durant pick and roll. Like the, the, uh, (laughs) it's the best play in all of basketball, but he never ran it. Mm. Well, now, now, but it's like you want to save that stuff. You want to save the big bullets. They don't really have the opportunity to save the big bullets. Yeah, they don't nah. have an extra year, so they, they don't. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he coaches. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, we we got to get out of here, Dieter, sir. I appreciate you having you on. We'll bring you back again. Uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah, if my career survives this, we'll be good. <laughs> Thank All you, right. Dieter. All right. Well, after the break, Andy Lou, Samus Fendiari, Warriors World Radio. We will continue our discussion on the worst trades in Bay Area sports history. Now back to Warriors World Radio on 95.7 The Game. Here's Andy Liu and Sam Esfandiari. 
I guess I don't need to reintroduce. I always like feel like I need to reintroduce myself. Andy Lou, Sam is Fendiari, Warriors World Radio, where we talk about the worst barrier trades in Bayer Sports history. So let's uh, let's take that back. Today is the one year anniversary of Good the times. Khalil Mack trade. Good times. Do you remember that? I hung out with you after that happened. I was in a bad mood. Might have had might have had one drink too many because I was very upset. Um, they were, you know, the Raiders are leaving town in a uh, in a year, but this trade will will stay as one of the worst Bay Area sports trades. Basically, trading the best defensive player in football, if not the best, one of the two or three best for a couple picks, which aren't even going to be that high. <laughs> I sense a, uh, I sense some anger and frustration in your voice, Sam. I'm going to ask you, um, rack your mind. What do you think of as just bad, like bad beer is sports trades? Uh, I so in terms of when I started watching sports, uh, football was the first sport. Uh, basketball was the second sport. I'm 28. Uh, and baseball was the last sport. I pretty much started watching baseball, uh, couple years after that um, World Series where the Giants choked uh, to the Angels uh, that they should have won. Um, Shout out 2002. Yep. And baseball was actually where I was the most frustrated with the trades. Um, the Giants, Mr. Brian Sabian, who, by the way, is very good at his job. Three rings. Traded Joe Nathan and Francisco Lariano. For A.J. Pruszynski. 2004. So two years after that World Series run. Joe Nathan, who became... You talk about one of the top couple players, Akilo Mack, being in the NFL. Joe Nathan was one of the best closers in the MLB for a large part of that decade. Right? I think a lot of times with baseball players today, they're good only for a couple years. When we look at the A's, right? Didn't Triviano have a good year last year? Now he's now he's terrible. Um... And Joe Nathan was great for a very long time. Francisco Lariano, now he was one of those players that had only a great couple years. But those years that he was great, he was fantastic. He was an elite ace, right? And I think the other end of it was uh, Pruszynski was only a giant for one year. So it's kind of <laughs> like you trade two really good pitching prospects. If I remember correctly, at that time, Nathan had already... Um, He'd already come up, so people knew he was good, but they weren't quite sure how good he was, right? Liriano was more of that high-end prospect at that point. I don't think he'd come up yet or done anything of substance in the big leagues. Um, for a 30, or sorry, 27-year-old catcher who just played one year there, and it's not like he was bad for the Giants, but he wasn't particularly good either. He was just kind of a dude. Yeah, I mean, he had some talent. He could hit. He was an all-star. He was like a one-time all-star or something like that. But um, but I, I think that was who the Giants were growing up. And that's... Kind of trade the future for anything that can help you win one more game today. Anything, right? No, that's exactly what they've always done. And sometimes it works. Sometimes you get Freddie Sanchez. Sometimes you get, you know... Cody Mar- Ross. Marco Scudero, Cody Ross, right? Sometimes, sometimes it works. And... You know, I, I I'm a big fan, but you know they get lucky, right? <laughs> Winning some of those titles, and and that's great. But some of the other times, it's really not a sustainable process, and it's not how you stay in front of the rest of the league. And and I think that trade 
um, spin it, you know, 10 plus years later, uh, that's why the Giants have Farhan Zaidi today. That's why they have an Oakland A's disciple because they want to be that team. That's sustainably good yeah. for a decade instead of constantly trying to find a guy to put you into the playoffs as the wild card. Yeah. And winning like, and by the way, when the Giants made the postseason, they weren't, they were not. They made it on like ever. the last, yeah. the last series this season, two out of the three times they won the World Series, yeah. barely getting in. 2014, they barely, I mean, they barely, that World Series was, I mean, uh, we don't have to do, go into it, but they, like 80 plus win teams, that was it, like 80, 90 tops, right? Like you look yeah. at the Dodgers and they've got money and a smart front office, they're going to win 110 games every season. The A's, they've got a smart front office and no money and they're still, I mean, We'll they see. We'll win. see how long they keep the team together, but they're set up yeah. if they pay their players to be sustainably good for a decade. Yep. Um, history suggests they probably won't keep all their players, but you never know. All it takes is a change in management. Oh, Chris Davis, though he's not good anymore. Yeah. Um, text line good brings up Mitch Richmond for Billy Owens. That's the one Warrior fans love to point to pre the Steph Curry era. That's kind of the one I feel like every Warrior fan points to as like. Why did my team do that? Um, now, of course, the Warriors have won three titles, and you know they're one of the better run teams and one of the richer teams, and everyone you know kind of forgets that. But yeah, I mean, trading an All Star caliber shooting guard, Mitch Richmond, for Billy Owens, it's kind of in that um, you know kind of penny wise, pound foolish move where you're desperate to do anything and you tend to make poor decisions in the long run. Uh, somebody also brought up uh, this one I was always fascinated by Uh, I wasn't necessarily following the team that much then Uh, the Warriors uh, drafting and then trading Vince Carter for Antoine Jameson Antoine was okay he won Vince Carter though (laughs) and that's really what it comes down to when you look at trades it's like who got the best player in the deal Antoine Jameson solid starter for 8-10 to years Vince Carter perennial all-star for you know his first 10 years in the league maybe not as good as probably not 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 as good as you know Kobe or Tracy McGrady who's who he'd get compared to but objectively better than Antoine Jameson (laughs) yeah that was uh that was a fun one uh Sam you also threw in uh OJ Simpson that was one I didn't see coming I did some I was, research. I, I went deep on the research. I uh, wasn't alive for OJ's famed 49er run. Uh, but yeah, OJ Simpson, the Niners traded. You would never see this happen today, by the way. This is how you know sports have moved in a different direction. The 49ers traded a first-round pick, two second-round picks, a third-round pick, and a fourth-round pick for a 31-year-old running back. Could you even see that happening today? No way. No, it's no like, way, unless we, you're we, John Gruden. We've yes, John Gruden might consider it because he's that old school. <laughs> but that's kind of you know now sports are all about kind of the process and yeah. building something sustainable and going young and yeah. we can't trade this prospect because he might be good in two years and give us eight good years control. instead of yeah, yeah team control yeah. instead of like well we know this thirty year old player is good and he might only have two years left in him yeah but. He's good now. You know, we, you don't see teams do that. Like, if you look at the NBA, who do you think is the most untradeable player outside of like Steph Curry and a couple and like Giannis? It might be like Zion, who hasn't even played a second. Yeah. 
But because he has team control for seven or eight years and you know he's going to be a star, you just don't know what caliber of star he's going to be. He's more untradeable than um, than Kawhi Leonard, you know? Like, I think if the if the Pelicans offered that today, they could get him. Yeah, no, I... I- I'm with you. That's across all the sports. Sometimes I read these like MLB trade value columns, um, and like and a the guy no- you've never heard of has more ne- trade value. Never heard of. I think Mike Trout was like. I mean, Mike Trout's probably was the top guy, but like this, like number two, three, four, and five. I think were like the prospects. Like I think they were top prospects of teams. That I have no idea. I think Ronald Acuna, who's in the league, right? He's, yeah, at he's least been he's, in the league. He was in the All Star game this right. year. At least he's shown he can play. But some of these guys, man, like they've never even played in the league, and these guys are top five, top ten uh, trade value, and that's where the Giants. You know, you look at Prozinski, you see this trade. The Giants never figured that out, and now they've got a team of you know kind of washed. Now they're players. now they're moving in that direction. They'll get there. They'll get there. They'll get there. We've got Joe Shasky. Butcher Boy joining us for the next 12 minutes to talk about pretty much anything. Joe, we're opening up the floor, Warriors World Radio, but we're talking about it all. So you tell us what you want to start with. I mean, I'm I'm listening to you guys talk about Major League Baseball prospects. You can't be more right. I mean, (laughs) their prospects are suspects until proven otherwise. The thing that these guys are going to come up, for example, the Cubs a few years ago, every one of our guys is going to be a top-tier player. You look back just two, three years later, and really Chris Bryant is a great player, and Javi Baez is a great player, but Addison Russell, eh. I mean, they they can't wait to replace him and get off of him. And Schwarber, yeah, he hits for bombs, but he's a, a guy who can't even play the outfield defensively. So, one, two of their guys, of their six dudes they brought up simultaneously, is an absolute superstar. The other ones are just, you know, decent baseball players. By the way, you're listening to 95.7 The Game, KGMZ FM, and HD1 San Francisco, a radio.com sports station. So, Shasky, speaking of the prospect on the prospect route, while he's not really a prospect, D'Angelo Russell is like the closest we've got to a quote-unquote young, high-potential guy in the Warriors since they initially got good with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. What do you see for D'Angelo Russell with this team? You know, it's going to be interesting. I, I want to see who's playing off the ball. Uh, this thing that, like, Steph can't play off the ball, D'Angelo can't play off the ball. If you're a great enough talent, you adjust. And, yeah, maybe your statistics might take a step back or whatever, but I think all these guys are grown up to realize the end game. The end game is, let's get to the playoffs, let's try to win a championship. And D'Angelo Russell, for all the negativity that I heard all summer about D'Angelo Russell, my God, it was coming out of Los Angeles for two years. Who was the team trying to acquire him more than even the Warriors? The Los Angeles Lakers. It's just, it's hilarious how Everybody now, because he's a warrior, ah, you know he's not that great. He's not that good. The guy, I think the guy's going to be phenomenal for the Warriors. I mean, he's going to fill it up. He's an ISO scorer. He's got silky handle. I think he can get better with the assist-to-turnover ratio. His little snap three-point shot, I really like it. I'm just interested to see the spacing when he's on the court with Steph, just because uh, I'll be very interested to see what other players they play with him. Draymond, who's the other? You know, Is it going to be McKinney, for crying out loud? God knows who. How are teams going to defend these guys because they really haven't. I mean, I know Kevin Durant is uh, an ISO player, but from the guard position, they haven't really had a clear ISO type player, you know, from the guard position. So I'm just interested to see how it looks, man, to be totally honest with you. And I'm, I'm optimistic for the Dubs. I'm more pumped up for Chase Center, though. I'm not going to lie. Ooh, that's where we're going to go with next, Jasky, because I'm very curious to hear your thoughts um, about the Chase Center, what it looks like. 
uh, what Lakeup is built and, and kind of just overall, like, is this, is this even going to work? Why wouldn't it work? It looks like one of the most beautiful stadiums in the history of man. I mean, this thing looks unbelievable. It's right on the water. Uh, it's right near tons of transportation. I, I understand inherently moving to San Francisco was going to segre- segregate a certain part of the population. I understand that. It's the same thing when the Niners moved out of San Francisco. For a lot of people from the East Bay, they feel they've been you know, uh, left behind and the team abandoned them. I understand all of those things. Put that to the side because I don't think you can please those people. I truly don't. I don't think you can please those people. I think the stadium's going to be unbelievable. But the key is, can they build up enough memory? See, this is the part where Levi Stadium has really lacked. There's not a lot of inventory of games, so you don't get the opportunity to have memories. AT&T Park, a baseball venue, 81 dates a year times 20 years, it feels like it's been there 100 years because of all of the memories. I mean, you could talk to five different fans, and they'll have 25 separate moments that have happened at AT&T Park that are their favorite moments. And I think what Chase Center is going to have going for it is the 41 dates a year is going to create memories because of the inventory, and it's going to be a special, special place. It's up to the fans to get loud and cheer and all those things that we love to, to critique and criticize. But as far as the venue, what has Lakeup done to lose anyone's face? The guy's got the Midas touch. Believe in him. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you, by the way. Um, the stadium, what, 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 get, what gets people going is their memories from it. Nothing else. You know, everything is charming when you have positive memories from a building. And everything is the opposite of charming. Everything sucks if all you remember is going there and seeing your team lose by 20 points every game. So I do agree with you. If the team gets good, everyone's going to start talking about the Chase Center in much more glowing terms than they talk about Levi's. Exactly. And I think also... There is something to be said for being in downtown, on the water, looking the way it looks with the screen out front. See, a communal gathering area is something that the Niners completely whiffed on. You can't have a communal gathering area in front of your stadium or arena if it's not in a very, like, downtown-centric area. The Giants have it in Levi's Plaza, uh, excuse me, William A's Plaza. The, the Warriors are going to have it now with their, I guess, their version of Jurassic Park with that giant screen. You don't have that at, AT- at, at Levi's. You go to Levi's. And it's you park in a parking lot, you walk across some corporate buildings, and then, boom, here's the stadium. There's really no communal gathering area out in front. And if you really think about it in society, the way we are now, when do we gather as a community? And we don't do it anymore, except at live sporting events. So that's why it's even more imperative to have it in a actual city where it's bustling and there's stuff to do, and it becomes the heartbeat of a neighborhood. Absolutely. I think about, like, my favorite memories, if it's going to a Giants game or something, it always starts with, let's meet somewhere across the street two hours before the game, and you make a whole day out of it. By the time you get in the arena, you're in such a good mood. Having stuff to do pregame, which is really the main critique of Oracle Arena uh, at the Coliseum, which is just kind of a parking lot, is going to be such a value add for fans. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's no question. Would you have Carl's Jr.? I mean, that was like the only place to eat outside of uh, Oracle, and I love Oracle. Look, it's, it's. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.